Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, 10,000 Answered Prayers, was preached by Dr. Matthew Sleeth of Blessed Earth on Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. It was recorded on January 22nd, 2023, and is part of our series, 40 Days of Prayer. Good morning. We're going to talk about prayer. Let me tell you a story from a time before I was a believer in Christ. Oh, I got to set my timer or I get shot if I go over. Okay. I'm not a Christian when this story takes place. I'm working in the emergency department. I'm an I'm a ER doc and a patient comes in by ambulance and she is that close to death. She's had asthma and she is blue at this point and the rescue squad can't intubate her, treat her, nothing because she is flailing away. Something that uh, you do if you get real low on oxygen or blood sugar can happen. People don't have any control over it. And so I've got to do something fast. She's going to die. And I anesthetize her, and there's this horrible, scary moment when if you don't get them intubated and they can't breathe for themselves, it it looks really bad on the record. And and so the intubation goes great, and then the nurse says, oh, now she has no pulse. She's dead. So we start start doing a a code and resuscitating, and I'm throwing everything I've got at her, and she is just dead. She's still dead. So I go out, and I talk to her daughter. Her daughter is about 20 years old, and um, I I say, your your mom is not going to make it. we're going to try a little bit longer, but don't get your hopes up or anything. We call that hanging crepe paper in the ER business. And uh, then her daughter asked me the weirdest question that I had ever been asked in the emergency department. And I, I practiced in some pretty weird places. My, I remember my wife coming in to meet me uh, at GW Hospital in D.C. once. And she said, everyone's chained to the beds. Yeah, that's the ER in D.C. Um, So I've been asked some weird things, but this lady topped them all. She said, do you mind if we pray? Ooh. Well, I don't want to get sued, so I said, yeah. (laughs) And then it got weirder. And she said, do you mind if we get on our knees? In for a penny, in for a pound, I thought. And so I remember closing the door to the family room so no one would witness this. And I got on my knees, and she prayed, and I said amen. That's all I knew how to do. And we walked back in so we could stop the code, and she could say goodbye to her mother. And her mother decided to become alive again. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, my reaction. And and I said, wow, something I did must have worked. Um, fast forward 20 years, I just was in Washington, D.C. this past week, and I flew in to give a talk about the sanctity of life, and I was allowed to do that in a building, you know, right next to the Supreme Court and everything, 
But when I got off of the plane at Reagan and I went to get on the subway uh, to, to ride into town, I couldn't work the machine. I went to med school in Washington, D.C., but the, the machines have changed in the last 35 years, and I couldn't figure it out. And I asked this man who was there to help, and he's trying to help, and he can't get it to dispense a, a card. And then a man came over. I believe he was Korean. I'm not positive. And he bowed and handed me this. It's a subway card with money on it. I didn't do that. God did that. Uh, and he raised, the, raised that woman from the dead. And, uh, and so I want to talk about prayer today. And I am very nervous because this is my home church. And my wife, is my wife here yet? Yes. Yeah. She said last night, Matthew, I don't think I'm going to let you preach at First Alliance anymore. You're more nervous than anywhere you've ever been. And it's true. And Nancy, I messed up. Uh, the sermon is way too long. <clears throat> and, and so I'm just going to try to convince, uh, condense things into stories. And the first part of the, of the sermon is that you can pray anywhere, anytime, anyhow. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be constantly in prayer. And I know what that means because that's the life that I get to lead now. And I get to lead that with my, my wife and everything. And, and just to pick crazy places to pray. I, I, I've prayed in planes. I've been in planes a lot in the last 20 years. And everybody prays in a situation. Like when I took off from Bluegrass Airport uh, once, I wasn't flying the plane, I'm in the back. And, and we, we took off after a real big jet, and I'm in a small jet. Do you know what happens when a small jet gets too close to a big jet? It loses its lift. And the plane plummeted 150 feet, like in a second, and goes like this. Everybody on the plane was praying. The lady next to me went, oh, God. <laughs> Grabbed my arm. I remember being in a plane going out to California, and there was, uh, there was a, like a little bit of a commotion in the galley, and this guy wanted a meal, and he didn't have the money, and I said, I'll buy him a meal or whatever, and, and the woman said, well, you know, he's actually kind of famous, but his career is in a low place right now, and, and anyways, and out of that, I got to play with the stewardess who'd lost a five-year-old child, and... Um, and, and the guy um, that, that needed the meal, whose career was low, two weeks ago was on the front of the New York Times. So, hey. <laughs> Give God the glory, right? Um, and, and, and we can just um, uh, pray all the time. And the one thing I don't want to do in talking about my prayer life, because my prayer life is mainly based off Psalm 1, meditating on Scripture day and night. Yeah. And, and I, once somebody told me that's wrong, you need to go like this and pray and everything. And, and, and I've found that if you've got a prayer thing that's working for you, stick with it. Um, don't listen to anybody else. Uh, the Bible gives more latitude in prayer than any other activity practically. You can pray anywhere, anytime, anyhow, in the shower, in bed, in the car, in, in, and I, I'm glad my wife is here. I'm going to just tell the one craziest prayer I ever had, I think. I'm driving down Route 91, I think. It's, it's uh, down the uh, eastern side of New Hampshire. And I missed medicine so much. I was built to be an ER doctor. 
Um, and I, I literally closed my eyes for a moment and said, oh, God, I miss medicine so much. Oh, if you just let me practice medicine again. And because he called me out of medicine. And I remembered I was driving and opened my eyes. It's, a, it's, it's New Hampshire. There's not many cars on it, okay? <laughs> and an ambulance came up behind me and pulled into the passing lane. The lights on, but no sirens. And then pulled over on the shoulder and then went off the cliff. And I had to go down it. You couldn't get back up. And eventually, you know, the helicopters came and everything. And when I got there and jumped over the stream and got into the ambulance, you know, there's three unconscious uh, people. Um, I don't pray that prayer (laughs) anymore. I used to say, I miss medicine so much. If anybody would like to drop dead, it'd make me really happy. I... I, I did that at a university where I was going to give a message that I'm not sure that they really wanted to hear, and somebody went to ground. And the, the president and the board of trustees, is, everything is there, and they stopped me, and I went back, and it wasn't serious or anything. But when I walked back up, they might as well have replaced the carpet with water. So uh, everybody thought I was uh, very, very um, cool at that point. And so um, we've got to pray always, and... Um, and I think a lot of times we're praying and our prayers are being answered and we're missing it because of two things. One is that God's ways are not our ways. He's answering and we're not getting it. He's resuscitating the lady, not resuscitating, he's reanimating a, a, a lady who's dead. And I'm saying, what did I do to, to make that? Uh, so don't be a bird brain like that. And, and the other is that God's timing is different than our timing. And I'm going to have an example towards the end of this of a prayer that I made and how it was answered a decade later. Um, And so we have to remember, like when Joseph um, prayed and and wanted all those blessings that he saw, God put him in in jail for uh, something like uh, 13 years, and two of those were in solitary confinement, really, like in the ghoul. Um, when he told Abraham that he would have children and even renamed him the father of many, he didn't have any kids. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years to have their prayer answered. So God's ways are not our ways and his timing is not our timing. I think one of the things that we really, really need to do is pray for wisdom and, um, and, and that we... Uh, we need to have as the main source of that wisdom, when God speaks to us, it's through scripture. I'm a Bible, Bible, Bible guy. And yet, even that can be taken to extreme. Uh, and, and let me give you an example of that. Um, it's hard for me to lose things. I uh, left a wallet in a cab in D.C. and somebody in Baltimore found it and got it back to me with nothing missing. I, I'm, okay, you're going to say, man, we got to stitch that guy's wallet to him because I've lost it a couple other times and, and I lost it in a parking garage in downtown Lexington. It laid there for a day and somebody picked it up, an airline pilot, and brought it to our house. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to lose something. But I was in North Carolina um, and uh, teaching at a, at a Christian camp uh, there. And they moved my room 
while I was teaching, I, they, they needed that or they wanted to give me a better room or something. And they gathered up everything and they gathered up a Bible that was exactly like this that I had carried for years and they put it in the laundry. And I don't think things like that happen by accident. And I, and I really puzzled for a long time, what is God trying to teach me? And I think what God was trying to teach me is from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. You can write that down, look at it later. And that is Paul saying that the, it's, it's great to memorize the Bible. It's great to know the Bible. But the gospel is written on the fleshy tablet of our heart. Okay? And I was putting the Bible too much here. And God was telling me, you need to put it here. He wasn't saying stop reading and stop studying the Bible. He was saying write it on the fleshy tablet of your heart. And, um, and I think that we need to be going to the Lord for wisdom over and over again. And I sometimes hear two people telling stories and I'm like, well, how's that working out for you? And they're not going to the right places for wisdom. And I wanted to give an example of this, but I didn't, because I have to give a bad example and I have to give a good example. And I didn't want to do it from church things, so I'm going to use politics. I'm not involved in politics. I really don't go to Washington all that much, although it'll sound like it here. Um, but a bad example. I was asked to come to Washington, D.C. and, and uh, meet with a particular person for an hour. Now, an hour in Washington, D.C. with a congressman or a senator is a big deal. And, and when I went there, there was a guy who was actually like handling me, a handler. And he said, oh, before you have your big meeting, I want you to meet uh, a congressman, um, your congressman or whatever. And <clears throat> I said, I really don't want to do it. He said, oh, and he insisted. So I went and the congressman gave me 10 minutes. The entire 10 minutes, all he did was look at the clock because I wasn't important and he wanted to get rid of me. Um, and then the handler came in and he said, Dr. Sleeth, the speaker has the next hour open for you. And his mouth fell open because he thought, oh, he's blown it here. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't looking for wisdom. He wasn't understanding that I can walk in anywhere, anytime. Another example from that, which is a good example, is I, I got um, home one, one day and my lovely wife uh, sitting here said, Matthew, a senator called you. And like a smart aleck, I said, well, U.S. or state? I don't have time for state senators. And, <clears throat> and she said, U.S. He and I talked. He invited me to Washington, D.C. to speak to his uh, committee that he chaired. And, then I, I, and I did that for an hour. And then he took me to his office in an office with a Bible um, laying right there. And he had three aides taking notes. And he said, for the next hour, I just want you to give me wisdom. Um, <clears throat> and, and so I think we need to go uh, to scripture for wisdom. And we need to pray about wisdom. And the next point I'm going to make is a very difficult uh, point about prayer, and as Paul said, I, I, I get to go to the churches and, and schools and say the things they don't want to hear. This is the homework for you. I want you to go home, and I want you to read Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11. It's, it's about a very, very particular kind of situation that happens to believers. Now, Jesus says we're all going to have hard times. That's guaranteed if you follow him. But some of the hard times 
are brought about by ourselves. And because God has adopted us, he sees us as children. And as children, sometimes we need a time out. And, and I think too few times we're going through a, a season or a time that's rough. And it's because we're not saying, is God trying to teach me something here? Uh, and so I want you to read that. And by the way, that is a, a, a verse that's taken off of Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. And anytime the New Testament lifts an entire passage out of the old and plants it there, heads up, probably going to be on the final exam. Uh, and in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is, is writing to the Corinthians, um, in, in chapter 11, verses uh, 31 through about 32, he talks about this, that if we judge ourselves, if we say, what is God doing? Am I in time out because I keep repeating something that isn't, isn't right? Um, Paul says, if you do that, God grades you on the curve. <laughs> that God is gentler with the people who do that. And we live in a world um, that's out of balance. Is this news to anybody? It's out of balance. And right now, even in church sometimes, we, we hear about God's love and his mercy and his free will and his shalom. But scripture also presents another side of God, and that is his anger. He's slow to anger, but he does anger. Um, and although he has mercy, he has justice. And although he gives us free will, he's sovereign. And although we are to live in shalom, Jesus says, I bring a sword. And, and the fully mature Christian knows how to balance those. And there's no way of doing that without a lot of prayer and a lot of going to scripture and a lot of asking wise people. You know, so in the, in the, in the Old Testament, it says, if you've got a bad teenager, take him outside and stone him. Jesus says, forgive them. Wait and put a robe and a ring on them if they come back to you. And Paul says, don't have them in the first place. <laughs> and and, and, and we've, we've, got to, we've got to know how to balance that. We've got to know when you escape from town in a basket. And when you say, I appeal to Caesar, I'm going to Rome. In, in the words of that old spiritual hymn, you got to know when to fold them. Know when to hold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run, okay? Um, and uh, my, my family had a beautiful, beautiful addition. Uh, about seven months ago, um, the state called my daughter and, and described a child that nobody was taking. <laughs> um, and uh, in, in, in after they described all the reasons no one was taking him, they said, oh, and oh, by the way, he has COVID. <clears throat> My daughter said, what's the hitch? And she took him. And I don't even want to think about his life before she got him. I'm an ER doc and it upsets me. <clears throat> and it would be the natural reaction, I think, of the world to just love him and coddle him and tell him everything's okay and give him a trophy no matter what. But God sent him to somebody who could take care of him. Love is both sides of these. And so she's done all the loving and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, 
you know, he, he had to learn how not to bite through Babo's, that's me, Babo, that's Swahili for granddad. And my, most of my grandkids are in, in uh, Africa. And, and he had to learn how not to bite through my pants leg and my leg. He had to learn that you're not supposed to take a heavy block and try to throw it through the glass. And so he, he had time out after time out after time out, but always with love. And if you're going through a hard time, you just got to ask yourself, is God given me a timeout. And he has grown into this little boy and um, I, I wish I could show it in, in church, but my, my, my daughter heard him talking in the shower um, the other day, uh, not the other day, a couple weeks ago, it's after Christmas, and she said, who are you talking to? He said, I'm in the shower with Mary and Joseph. <laughs> Amen. And I think he really was. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and so, by the way, if you're a teenager in here and you think I'm giving you a hard time, this is just a sideline. Nance, I'm going down a bunny trail. Get me back on. I've been doing ministry for 20 years. I have spoken in so many colleges. It isn't funny. And so many churches. And my favorite thing in the world to do is get in a college and just have them ask me questions. And the caliber of the questions is off the roof in the last two years. I was in a church, it wasn't a college, a week ago, and uh, all the teenagers and everything were asked to write me a question if they wanted, and a girl wrote me 11 questions. I have taught in 50-some seminaries, and I have never seen questions as brilliant as these. Um, Pray, pray for this next generation, folks. Uh, They're going through challenges you and I didn't even know existed. So... I, um, I am modeling this talk by to you at, uh, uh, off of a book, and it's by Rosalind Goforth. She was a missionary in China during the Boxer Rebellion. And her book, How I Know God Answers Prayers, is my favorite book on prayer. And when you got a last name like Goforth and you're a missionary... I think God's in the mix or whatever. And, and she's, it's just beautiful unfolding of her. And, and during the Boxer Rebellion, many, many, many Christians lost their lives. Um, and, and so I would urge you uh, to read that. And, and one of the things you'll notice in that, and one of the things I've noticed is God is everywhere. He's at hand. And, and he doesn't care whether it's a big thing or a little thing. We're supposed to ask to him about little things and big things. And so I just want to give an example of how little things can turn into big things. I needed a pair of shoes a few years ago. Um, and I went to a store. I won't say the name, but the initials are Dillard's. And, <laughs> and um, it took me about 90 seconds to figure out that the woman who was um, helping me was a sister in Christ. And, oh, boy, we were just having a great time. And then she was cashing me out. She put my shoes up and she took them out of the box. She put them on the counter and she said, beautiful on the mountains are the feet that bring the gospel of peace. Do you know what it's like to have somebody pray for you in a shoe store? Okay, let me give you another example of that. Excuse me, I'll get all worked up. By the way, her name, I I can't tell you, but it's Angela. (laughs) Angel, come on. God didn't even settle half the time. Um, uh, 
And uh, so I want to tell you about another time that a guy was working in a shoe store and his, and his name was Kimball. Anybody uh, know the story of Edward Kimball? No, you don't. Nobody knows the story of Edward Kimball. But he was working in a shoe store and there was a 17-year-old kid that was, was there. And, uh, and he prayed with that kid and he, and he led him to Jesus. And that kid's name was D.L. Moody. Let me trace this out, though. D.L. Moody um, uh, introduced F.B. Meyer to the Lord, who introduced uh, J. William Chapman to the Lord. You haven't heard of any of these people. Next one you have, who introduced Billy Sunday to the Lord, who introduced Mordecai Ham, who introduced Billy Graham. But the ripples go out now. Billy Sunday um, met a, a, about an 11-, 12-year-old boy in Iowa, and uh, he, he said to that 12-year-old, uh, because the 12-year-old boy said, um, I, I want to be like you. I want to be a preacher when I grow up. Excuse me. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, he asked the boy if he read the Bible. And he said, well, I read the Bible some. He said, no, you've got to read the Bible all the time. And uh, he said to that boy, you, you, you need to use the three-by-five method. You re- read three chapters a day and five on Sunday. And you do that. Every year, and you'll make it exactly through the Bible. That boy was 10 years old, and he did that for the next 83 years. Uh, When he was only 83, so he died at 93. When he was 83, he called me out of the blue on the phone, and it was Ellsworth Callis. And have you ever heard Ellsworth Callis uh, preach? You can go down apparently to Asbury. I haven't seen it and pushed the thing and hear his voice. He had a voice, and if you didn't get to hear him... He had a voice which was like James Earl Jones, if James Earl Jones' voice would just get a little deeper. And, and Ellsworth Callis um, uh, called me up out of the blue, and he said, Matthew, I want to be a friend. And we developed this beautiful friendship. And he said, the Lord told me to say yes to you about everything. And it was beautiful. But uh, when he died, I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, you've left too big a hole in my life. Please fill it. I went to his memorial service where I met two men for the first time. Uh, one name was Ed Mangum. This is little Ed, not big Ed. It's Ed Jr. And uh, the other was Steve Elliott, former senior pastor of this church. And we became friends. And the first time I was uh, invited to preach here, someone ran up to me and said to my wife and me, will you come to our house for dinner? Didn't know me at all. And I said, I want to be a part of that church a church that prays and gives hospitality. So I'm just going to run through some events uh, here. And I brought a little bag for show and tell. Um, uh, It's um, when I started in ministry, uh, God um, started everything by me walking in the hospital on a Sunday. And I didn't have anything to read. And I found this book on a coffee table. Everybody recognize this? It says, Holy Bible on it. And I picked it up and I said, I want to read this. And I, I don't have this at home, so I stole it. <laughs> I've been forgiven. <laughs> Prayer and Bible, they go together. I opened it to the book of Matthew, my favorite book. My name's Matthew. And I met the Lord. Uh, and, I would have, and, and, and I would have thought, oh, wow, just me and God involved. When that happened, uh, a little while later, I was talking to a nurse, 
uh, in the ER, and she said, Matthew, my church has been praying for you and your family for two years. Amen. Amen. Yeah, pray for people like I was then. Um, And so... Um, And then the first thing God put on my mind was to write about caring for creation. Well, now, how many evangelicals worry about that? Not very many. There were only two books that I could find on the subject. And actually, even as I was working on this, I began to think, you know, am I on the wrong track, Lord? Is this the right thing to go? And we got a knock on the door one day, and somebody said they had cleaned out their attic of their dead aunt, and uh, they found a bunch of books about God, and um, they knew that I was a Christian, and they weren't, and they said, here, and they handed me a box of musty books, and in the bottom of that was this. This is a 140-year-old Thomas Nelson King James Study Bible, and in it, there are 40 pages on care of plants and animals. God was saying, proceed. And I I wrote the first book, and um, I I wanted Zondervan to publish it, but they were like, we don't want to hear from you unless you are famous. So I got a little tiny environmental book publisher to publish it. And the first week that it came out, the book was at the National Book Show. There's thousands of people there. And the guy in charge of Zondervan walked by and saw it and said, why didn't we publish this and bought it from them on the spot? And the book was republished with Zondervan. Um, and, and so uh, early in ministry, we were, we were just you know, downwardly mobile as far as finances and everything. Yeah, we were the poster family for downward. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, we were worried, and my, my wife was, was worried, and I was worried too. But I always said, don't worry, God's got it. And a guy who wrote this version of the Bible, the message, out of nowhere, I didn't know him, starts sending us giant checks. This one is signed by him. If anybody is a message user, I want to give this away today. Um, uh, but there's a connection here between prayers and Bibles. Are you getting it? Um, we, were, we had a following question. If you are praying, if you, you and your prayer, small group are praying, or you're playing with a group, and the phone rings, do you answer it? Well, consider the following. We were uh, with a group of people in our living room when we lived in the holy city in Wilmore, and... Uh, <laughs> We were praying because no church would let me do this series uh, or or would let me talk practically. And and the phone rang in the middle of this prayer, and I had that. Should I get up and answer it? And I did. And it was a pastor who invited me to his church. And he said, we'll we'll probably have between 10 and 12,000 in the first service, about the same or more in the second. God uh, so my, my answer to, the, to that question is get up and answer the phone. Um, uh, we, um, I, I had a Bible that I had underlined uh, everything concerning God caring for creation. And I thought that it would be a neat idea if everybody had it. And I was in a, a, a city talking about that. And what happened out of that was one of the people said, let's do something called the Green Bible. And so... We got Desmond Tutu to write the foreword. 
I wrote the first essay, and we got the Pope to write the next essay. I beat out the Pope. <laughs> Bible and prayer, the stuff all kind of goes uh, together. Um, God told me to write about Sabbath, and then I had a company offer me a lot of money to write about something else, and I went with the money. Wrong way to go. And that, the book was a disaster. <laughs> And God put me in timeout for a while. And it took me a while to figure it out. Um, uh, uh, eventually, I published a book on, on Sabbath. It was impossible to begin with to get anyone to, to pay attention to it. The DeMoss Group, which is the largest PR firm for Christians in the United States, said, we'll help you push it. We have 10,000 pastors we have a relationship with. And um, they couldn't get one. But the Lord, through a series of things, uh, kind of made things go. And uh, was it last Friday or the Friday before we heard from the publisher, it's in its 10th printing. Amen. I, God bless you. I just love people who, who amen. So, um, and I mean that. I hope he does something wonderful for you today. Um, uh, so we're supposed to be um, always praying. I wrote a book about trees in the Bible. How many of you ever heard about, well, you're from this church, maybe you heard me preach about it, but it's an odd subject. And the prayer was that it would be an evangelism tool, that people would not only find out new things about Jesus in the Bible, but that others would come to know God because of it. And um, uh, the first thing that happened really with that was that the tree expert who'd helped me on it, um, and when I gave a sermon on it. He saved that big tree, Schoolhouse Oak, which is a 500-year-old tree on the next knoll over. Um, And he became a Christian. The first letter I got um, after that book came out was a guy saying, I'm praying for you. Thank you for writing this. I'm a Christian. I'm a forester. And I just want to encourage you. And this is the last letter that I will write. Uh, and, And I think he wrote that on a Tuesday and he died on a Friday. He had cancer. Can you imagine on your deathbed thinking about praying for somebody else and encouraging them? Um, and, and, and just to show how this is, you know, these kind of prayers keep going, I met with a bunch of Alliance church uh, camp leaders. The Alliance that uh, this church belongs to has some camps. And, and the guy who runs the camp in Sonoma County, California, it's not Bible Belt in Sonoma County. Um, but he has, God gave him, you know, 120 acres of redwood trees. And you come there and you learn about nature, but all over the camp are signs that are like Route 66 signs. And there's 66 signs of these up. What has 66 in it? The Bible, yeah. And each one has a Bible verse on it. And people come and they learn, and they give out this book to people. And, and it worked so well that I went out there um, to, to, to talk with them as they brought a bunch of people together to see about naming the camp or renaming it after that book. And um, they have the longest zip line in North America, and they need young people to work there in the summer. It's the coolest place on the planet. If you don't go there, shame on you. Um, and... Uh, and, and I went on that longest zip line, and do you think I prayed from one end to the other? <sighs> you better believe it. And, and one of his pieces of news was, 
um, uh, the guy who runs it, he said, Matthew, the state of California contacted us and they want to do a bazillion dollar ad campaign for two years around the world. And they want to feature three places to invite people to in California. The Universal Studios, the um, Disney, Disney World, and the Alliance Redwood Camp. And the first ad will be on Super Bowl Sunday. Pray that people come to know the Lord there. <clears throat> I wrote a book about um, suicide and what's God's uh, take on that. Not a topic that the church wants to talk about. It's still difficult. It's still difficult to get that going. But I knew it was a success when a 16-year-old from a high school in the county next to this one invited me to the high school in the morning for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, he said, I want you to, there'll be about 20, 25 there. There were over 100. And we talked about and we talked about God. And all of this is surrounded by prayer. And some might say, well, that, that's not a success, you know, a bunch of high school students or whatever. I beg to differ. <laughs> I have been involved with two churches in the last 20 years, preaching there on a number of occasions at both of them. Uh, both of them were somewhere between or around 20,000 on a Sunday morning. Uh, one, literally, Nancy and I walked into the pastor's house one day, his phone rang, and he said, I got to get this, it's the president. Neither of those churches exist today. God isn't concerned with numbers. He's concerned not with what you're doing so much as what you're becoming. And that's accomplished through prayer and through the Bible and through fellowship together. Um, I went to a men's prayer breakfast in uh, Barbersville uh, a couple weeks ago. Twelve, twelve people there. It's the most mighty group of Christians I've ever been with. One guy said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to open a door that's been closed to you for 20 years. I believed him. The door was open. How long did it take? About six hours or something. Um, God's not concerned with numbers. He's concerned with the heart. And, and another principle of prayer is when you pray... And you pray for a good cop, you say amen with a hoe in your hand. If somebody says, pray for me for cancer, give them a check. Cancer is expensive. If someone says, I'm adopting a kid, pray for them, but give them a check. <laughs> um, when you pray for a good crop, you say amen with a hoe in your hand. And we need to pray for our children, uh, especially. And that book that didn't do well, I put a little prayer in the front of that book. Can we put that slide up? I put this prayer up. Um, it, it, it's Clark. That's my son. If I were a parent in some part of the world where children have no access to medical care, I would lift my eyes to God and pray for him to send a physician like you. I'm going to crack up here because that prayer was written right as he began medical school. And this photograph was taken 10 years after that prayer, where he's the one with the phone there. And that's part of his team around him. And um, it's not a little, little hospital in Africa that he's helping to run. He's got an 85-bed NICU. Um, and, and, and he and his wife and his family are just devoted to serving um, the Lord. And, and you not only have to pray for your kids 
You have to pray for your grandkids. When he and his wife were expecting their first child, the prayer for that child was that they would have a special relationship with Scripture. How many people pray for that? That 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 child would have a special relationship with the Word. I'm going to show you a clip of that prayer being answered. Um, When my granddaughter was three years old, um, she was, uh, some uh, my daughter-in-law turned a video on her as she was reciting the 139th Psalm from one end to another. This is the 22nd clip where um, she's saying, for you formed me in my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And her little brother is screaming in the background. This is the only section where you can actually really hear her all that well. Go ahead. Three, three years old. When she turned six, she said, uh, Babu, that's her name for me. It's Swahili for grandfather. She said, Babu, um, I want a real Bible now. Will you buy me an ESV? (laughs) She's a normal kid. I brought a picture of her. Just, And she's not the only one of my grandkids that I love. I brought a a picture of my second grandchild. Is he cute or what? And and look how handsome his grandson is. So uh, the point is uh, to pray, 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 but always being willing to move into action. I'm out of time almost, but, and they're going to get upset with me. But remember I said it's hard for me to, to lose stuff? <clears throat> I, I owe somebody a debt. When I, I was out in Denver, and I went to a Subway, and I bought a sandwich, and um, an hour and 15 minutes later, I stopped at another place to get a, a drink of water, and I realized I dumped all the money out of my wallet. I put money in my wallet, Uh, so I can help people along the way. And I had dropped uh, over $500, and I was sick. I grew up on the farm. That's a lot of money. And I prayed, what should I do about it? And the Lord said, go back and get it. I went back to the subway, and the person said, oh, yeah, somebody found your money, um, and he left a card here for you. I met up with him on the golf course, and he said, $537. And I said, oh, thank you. He said, And I said, most people wouldn't have done that. He said, I'm a Christian. (laughs) And I'm going to end with the weirdest prayer. Uh, We're going to pray for, and this was in August this happened. He's forgotten all about it. I bought him a box of the most expensive golf balls you can get. Heavenly Father, give this man a hole in one. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We're going to send them to him. Let me pray for us as I close, and I apologize for going over Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this family that you have uh, let me be a part of and the broader family. Uh, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? They are 
who are my sisters? They're the people that do your will, God, and they are talking to you all the time, just as I'm talking to you. Please bless this group, God, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, and disciple people to be spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at facelex.com.